on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We talk some OU football by breaking down the preseason All-Big 12 team that was just released this week in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss the crazy story that just came out about Les Miles and Kansas football, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, July 12th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in July from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $100,000 in cash play. Cash play? No, cash and bonus play. In Riverwind's $100,000 Freedom and Fortunes giveaway. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now we're recording this Sunday night. It is currently the second quarter of the Bucks and Suns game. So we won't really be able to say much about it because we're recording. We, we have a schedule. Teddy, we have a schedule. And uh, why does the NBA not realize how important Sunday nights are for us? This should have easily been a 2.30 tip, afternoon tip, uh, in order to get it in before the rush. But you know what? Or the, um, the Oklahoma breakdown. But that's how, that's how it goes. You know, we just we adapt and overcome. That's what we do. And, and speaking of adapting and overcoming, we are big fat liars. Big fat liars. We said that this episode was going to have our interview with Porter Moser. It does not. Our gotcha. Episode, gotcha. Our episode on Thursday will have our interview with Oklahoma men's basketball coach Porter Moser. Things got, you know, the schedule changed. Things that I, I have to go to Big 12 Media Days now down in Dallas. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing interviews both Wednesday and Thursday for Big 12 Media Days for SiriusXM, so I'm going to be grinding doing that whole thing. And Wednesday night, I'm actually supposed to go to dinner with my SiriusXM boss, Ted. So I was Ooh, like, big wigs. I was like, you know what? I probably should like not, not say, you know, no, 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 I got to do my podcast. 
instead of going to dinner with you. So I, I, I think we're going to, we're get, we're still going to have some football stuff for Thursday's episode, but we're going to have uh, the OU football stuff and then Porter and it, it'll still be great. It's going to be great. And this just allows the anticipation for the magic that is Porter Moser to, to continue to build. I still think you should email your boss at Sirius the future schedule of Rush recordings so he can, uh, you know, schedule dinner around that. See, this is <laughs> this is where the radio and podcast crossover is happening. I'm talking about my Sirius show. You keep calling our podcast the Rush, which why is am I doing that? Show. Did I do that I again? Yeah, <sighs> it's which hey. Hey man, it's it's no big deal. We're easy. It 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 all <laughs> so blends together. Can. It's all the layman and Iker brand, baby. It does. It runs together. I'm an idiot. Okay, so we we do have Big Twelve Media Days this week, which will be down in Dallas Wednesday and Thursday. And right before we get that, we always get the preseason All Big Twelve team. It was released last week, and OU is well represented. Ted, they've got there's 30 guys somehow on the on the first team offense, first team defense, first team special teams. They they got the 30 guys. I love it. Uh, I I mean honestly, I I kind of enjoy it. You know, even though it, we we all know it's 11 offense, 11 defense, and if you're going to do three special teams, math is not our strong shoot on this podcast, but I believe that equals 25. So we've it's got already an extra five. a weird deal whenever we're giving a preseason all Big 12 team you know it's that's already kind of a weird thing to begin with so i don't think the numbers really matter no i'm with you that makes sense so you look at it oh you've got eight of the 30 guys on the list and also eric gray was voted preseason newcomer of the year which i i and i do have a vote so i i get to submit my old big 12 team and vote for offensive player of the year a defensive player of the year and newcomer of the year. And Eric Gray was my newcomer of the year. And Ted, we we've talked a lot about what he showed in the spring, what he can be. I did not have him on my all big 12 offense, but I did have him as my newcomer of the year. He he's got, he's got a lot of ability, but I just don't know. When you think about like an all big 12 guy, it is kind of hard to play yourself onto a first team, all big 12 team when you're going to split carries with Kennedy Brooks. And I think that that's kind of how we view it. And that's why I also, I didn't have Kennedy Brooks on my all big 12 team for the preseason, because I think both of those guys are going to get a whole lot of work. Yeah. I, I don't know. When was the last time Oklahoma had a all big 12 running back? It's, it's not something that we have a lot of because exactly what you, you talk about, it's usually either a two or three man group that that handles all of those duties. So you don't have a guy that just has a, a tremendous amount of yards. So, yeah, I, I think that's right. I do think he's got the capabilities of it. You know, I, I do think it's interesting, though. And, you know, DeMarco has uh, done really well so far in this recruiting cycle, but you know, I wonder if that's a factor for recruits that Oklahoma does not have a feature back that gets the bulk of the carries, bulk of the, the production. That's interesting that you frame it that way. I think that can almost be used to attract recruits. Yeah. If you're similar to what used up. Yeah. Not used up. Got tread left on the tires. Similar to what we hear from some of these guys coming out of Bama 
lately, right? I I think that backs are more aware of the wear and tear now. And so I think that could be used positively in recruiting. Okay, let's look at let's look at the let's start with the offense because we all know offense is more important than defense. <laughs> so preseason all big twelve offense. Quarterback, Spencer Rattler. Any surprise at all, Ted? Brock Purdy was the first team all Big 12 QB after last year, after the 2020 season. Surprised to see Rattler there instead of Purdy, or I, I think this is all about us anticipating him taking a really big leap this season, right? Yeah, it's not a surprise at all for me. Um, I, I fully expected that. He's your Heisman front runner. It would be strange if he wasn't the preseason All-Big 12. That would kind of be a weird thing. Um, I think the, the more interesting th thing to look at, and it's really kind of the case on a bunch of these, is, okay, if it's not Spencer Rattler at the end of the year, who's it going to be? And I only think of two real guys that I think have a chance, and it would be Brock Purdy, and it would be – this is kind of a – like out of left field, but Max Duggan at TCU. I think TCU has a chance to have a, a, a pretty good football team, and if they went on a run, I think it would be led by great quarterback play. That's the one thing that, that hasn't brought them back. Other than that, I would be pretty much I, – I would be shocked if it was Max Duggan, but at this point, I think it's Radler or Purdy. Okay, so I, I was doing my prep for Big 12 Media Day and uh, I was reading and listening to some stuff from Gary Patterson, and he brought it up a couple of times. It's just I I just have to mention it since you brought up Max Duggan. And if they can protect him, I think we're going to find out how good of a quarterback he is. I know one thing: he is a hell of an athlete. Yeah. And Gary Patterson said that this off season, Max Duggan squatted six hundred and forty pounds. Ooh. And benched four hundred. The Ooh. quarterback. Ooh. I, when I heard that, stunned. I was like, okay, I knew he had like some athleticism to him, but he's got strength like that. I have no problem admitting I never even thought, I never even considered putting 600 pounds on a squat, bo squat bar. And this quarterback squatted 640. That's crazy. Uh, which, by the way, um, Duggan was the only quarterback in the Big 12 that was in the top 10 in rushing for the for the conference last year. Uh, and he was number two in rushing touchdowns. Had 10 rushing touchdowns, over 500 yards uh, rushing. He's a dangerous, dangerous player. And don't forget, last year, he had the heart issue. They thought he was never going to play again. Uh, ended up having surgery and was able to get back out there on the field in a COVID year. There was a lot of weird stuff there. So if it's going to happen for TCU, it's going to be because they have an outstanding player at quarterback and, and he's legit. So we'll see. Uh, again, I I would say Purdy and Rattler are the two heavy favorites to to have that at the end of the year. And right now I, it would be, it'd be massive in Rattler's favor. And I don't know of, of those two, and then Duggan, I don't even know who else to consider for the spot. Dark horse. He finally figures it out. He finally takes care of the football. 
Don't oh, say I, it. Don't you Spencer dare. Sanders. What happens if he does? He could. Gundy. Hey, Gundy's high on that team. Man, and he, he said Sanders made the improvement he should have made last offseason. He, he's made it. So, and not, I, I, they don't have, and we'll see what Brendan Presley ends up being this year. Uh, I think there's some, you know, some, and Tay Martin, they, they, they've got good guys at wide receiver. They don't have a Tylen Wallace or a Des Bryant or a Justin Blackman. They don't have that guy, I don't think, on that roster. But maybe that allows Sanders to put the ball, you know, to throw the ball where it should be thrown and not just laser in on one guy like he did a lot with Tylen. I don't, I don't know. I'm giving the kid the benefit of the doubt. I probably will regret it. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not – Hey, I think he. I think he's a fine kid. I think he's a. O line will be talent. healthy. I, he no. I okay. don't see it. All right, fair enough. No, you, I don't. Well, here's the thing. I've heard that continuously, and he and he was a 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions last year. Guy, it's not even counting the fumbles. He's Charlie Brewer. That's what Charlie Brewer's done. Don't be surprised if Charlie Brewer balls at Utah this year. They love he him. He might. So he might. we'll we'll see. But hey, Spencer Sanders, I believe in you more than Teddy does. I <laughs> just remember that. Okay, but okay. So let's look at the backfield. Uh, All Big Twelve preseason. Brees Hall. I don't think there's there's absolutely nothing to debate there. He is the best back in the conference. Led the nation in rushing last year. He's an absolute stud. Fullback Jeremiah Hall. Not a surprise either. Uh, I talked to Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl. They actually have Jeremiah Hall as their top-rated fullback for the Senior Bowl already. So, I mean, he's getting a lot of respect, not only in this conference, but around the country. And he's getting respect when it comes to him playing at the next level. This is the one that I think people find interesting. B. John Robinson, preseason All-Big 12. What do you think? Yes. He's a stud. I think he is an absolute dude. I think the way that he was underutilized by Tom Herman and that staff last season should be against the law. Crime. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian will be as stupid as the, uh, the, the previous staff was there in Austin. Here's what's interesting about whatever. I just say generally, I think Texas is going to be better offensively than they were a year ago. That's weird to say because Texas offensively last year was the number two offense in the conference. Uh, I think OU had like, what were we, 40? We were 43 points a game. Texas was 42.7. They were just behind us in yards, so they were a really productive offense. But the problem is they didn't spread it around to anyone. Everything went through Ellinger. It's going to be totally different. That's not going to be the case. They're, they're going to get a way more skill position players involved. It's going to have a different feel to it. Production-wise, like points per game, I can't necessarily say that it's going to be better, at least not in year one, but it's going to be better in a sense that it gets everyone involved. Bijan Robinson's going to be um, – he's going to be the first and foremost guy that they, they really showcase. I think that he's like – just pound for pound, line them up, and uh, all things equal, he's probably the best running back in the Big 12. And he's probably going to be 
you know, a la- last year he came on what was it the the final game or two. They finally started to hand him the ball a little bit more, but I I think he's going to end up possibly being the story of the conference next year offensively. Yeah, I, I I'm going to have to see some more. I and I think Bijan's immensely talented, and they are very excited with what they saw from him in the spring in the new system. But I I think that he's he's going to have to prove something to me before I say he's a better player than Brees Hall because yep. I, I think Brees Hall is an absolute stud. So he, he he's is. got the skill set though, and Bijan uh, just to, by the way that. You know, he's built, he's got a little more power than Brees Hall does, but if if they can use him as a receiver, which is very much within his skill set, uh, Sarkeesian is going to dial some uh, dial some stuff up for old Robinson. It's it's going to be fun to watch. Just hopefully they don't, don't do it against the Sooners, right? <laughs> right, yep. Okay, wide receiver, we got Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State, Eric Azukama from Texas Tech, and Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Any objection to those three guys as the wide receivers? Um, no, not really. I think um, if I had to pick someone that I would forecast that may be on there, uh, it may be the what was the what's the freshman kid from TCU? Quentin Johnston, yes. which yep. is who I had on my preseason ballot. I did not have Eric Ezukama, although I love his big playability. It's just, I, I don't know how much I believe in Tyler Shuck coming in to play quarterback there. I, I, I don't, just not, although I like Sir Roderick Thompson, I don't know what the supporting cast for Ezukama is going to be. That, that team is kind of a mystery to me. I like Duggan. I think TCU is going to be pretty solid. And I think Quentin Johnston has the highest ceiling of maybe any player in this conference. Agreed. That's how much of a freak show he is. Yep. He, he's outstanding. Didn't have huge numbers last year as a freshman. Only had 22 catches, just under 500 yards, two touchdowns. But 22 yards per catch last year from the young man. And uh, that is a huge, huge number. He, he's special. He's special, and it was a – and I don't remember how the whole thing went with his recruitment, but I know it was a big deal whenever he ended up going to TCU. He is a monster. I would be very, very surprised if he doesn't have a breakout season. So, yeah, those those were my three on my ballot was Hutchinson, Mims, and then Quentin Johnson from TCU. Tied in, Charlie Kohler. Charlie Kolar, depending on who you uh, who you talk to, how to say it. There's really not another choice. Stogner, I think, is probably who other people would consider, but you you have to give Kolar his respect for the production he's had over the time that he's been there in Ames, and he, he always kills OU. <laughs> so you, you, you have to give him the nod there, and especially kind of the mystery with Stogner's health you know, coming back from that scary leg thing, it's, it, it seems like Kolar was the only choice. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy to think about, man, that you look at Iowa state, they've got the number one back in the conference, the 
number one um, receiver in the conference coming back for receptions in Hutchinson, I believe. He's a beast. He really came on strong at the end of the year. They got the number that one dude tight end. is huge. He's huge. He's what? like 6'3", 215, 220 pounds. When I saw him on the field at the Big 12 championship game, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was kind of shocked that he was a guy that came back, but I I think he's he's going to have a huge year, I think. Huge, huge year. Um, 64 receptions last year, over 700 yards. Only had four touchdowns, but I think that I think those numbers are all going to go up for him. I really do. Yeah, but it's at- crazy to think that Iowa State is like leading in skill position stuff, right? I mean, that's kind of it's crazy that they've Five got star that culture, many... Ted. Five that's star right. culture. And you know, they didn't have the quarterback, but their quarterback that's returning was the Big Twelve offensive player of the year last year. So Yeah. So you look at you look at the offensive line, Trevor Downing from Iowa State. He did not make my ballot. I know that they view him maybe as the most talented guy in that offensive line room there in Ames, but he got hurt in the first game last year and didn't play any. So I, I don't know if it's fair for me to punish him for that. Also, I only put five offensive linemen on my list, not six. Weird. How? Huh. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know six was an option, guys. So that's also one of the reasons reasons that Downing wasn't on my list because I I can only count to five because that's that's how the position is played. I did have Colin Newell on my list. He's been a consistent guy for them on the inside. Can play center. Can play guard. Not the most talented guy in the world, but kind of the glue there for Iowa State. Marquise Hayes. Made the preseason All Big Twelve team. He also made my ballot. I think Marquise's physicality, his experience, I think it's going to be a big year for him. Uh, I really do. I think this is kind of the year where it all comes together for him. He, he's leaned out a little bit. Uh, I think he's focused on his diet a little more. He's taking it a little more seriously. Maybe is the best way to put it. And I, I think he's going to reap the benefits this season. I'm expecting a dominant year from him this season. No, I, I, I agree. And I'm just taking my, my cues on this from you um, for the offensive line. I was, I was shocked that Wanye Morris was on the list. Not that, not that he is, you know, may not be there at the end of the year. I just think that that's a, that's a pretty big projection. I know he's a super talented kid, but are we convinced beyond a, a reasonable doubt that he's even going to be the starting left tackle? He was not on my list. Anton Harrison was on my list because from what I've gathered, and I, I want to make this clear, Wanya Morris is a good player, right? He, he had didn't get on the field till late in spring ball, uh, started to figure some things out. I think a lot of media members just went, oh, yeah, this guy started a lot of games in the SEC. Yeah, he's going to be dominant in this league. I think this is more of a SEC reputation pick than anything, which is frustrating, but Anton Harrison is the most talented guy they have on the offensive line. He's the most physically gifted 
from what I've been told, if he can put it together, he will be the best tackle in the Big 12 Conference this year. If he puts it together, if he, if, if he becomes the player that they believe he can be, he will only be here two more seasons. That's the type of talent the kid's yeah. got. That's the type of expectation that the staff has for him. So I, I had Anton Harrison on my list. I did not have Juan A. Morris. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I think it's a, a good sign that they've got a couple of different guys that are capable of that. How big of a – so Iowa State has two guys on there with Trevor Downing coming back. How big of a difference does that make for their offensive line? Is that – because last year they, uh, they were just kind of okay, I thought. Uh, they have good scheme. They have good blocking at the tight end position. Helps out that running game quite a bit. But are, like I would say that's the that's the lagging factor on their entire football team. Not that they're terrible, but they're so good everywhere else. Is the offensive line going to catch back up to that? They will be better, in my opinion. I, I think that I think that they will definitely be better up front. They've they've just got experienced guys that have been in the program. Like they just got a bunch of old dudes. Yeah. Right. And that, that is extremely valuable at the line of scrimmage. When you have guys that have gone through four years and some even five years of the strength and conditioning program and spring ball and summer works, and all that stuff, man, you got, you got men on the line when you've got guys that have played that many snaps. I, I think they're going to be even better up front. Right, because like I said, and I've heard I've heard Matt Campbell talk about it, and Matt Campbell's an offensive line guy. He thinks Downing's the most talented guy they have on the O line. Yeah. And now he's an interior guy, but it it also gives you more depth, more flexibility, right? You can try different combinations to find your best five, but the more bodies you have, and we saw this a lot of places around the country last year with offensive linemen going down, right? You you gotta have depth. Yep. At, at positions because if you have one weak link out on the field, one guy that shouldn't be out there, and the best example we saw probably last year was Oklahoma State, who had a couple of guys that shouldn't have been playing in Big 12 conference games, you get exposed because, yeah. Ted, you know, they see that one weak link and it's attack that dude. Well, I just think it's interesting because <laughs> – you can make the claim that Iowa State has the best player at every position group on the on the field across the board except for offensive line. Now, you can make the claim it's not necessarily backed up on all of those, but you know, quarterback their quarterback was the the all Big 12 quarterback last year, leading rusher in the country last year at running back. Charlie Kolar tied in Xavier Hutchinson at wide receiver, Mike Rose at backer, Will McDonald leading sacker coming back, uh, Eisworth. I mean, <laughs> it's like you can almost make the claim that they've got the best guy at every position group, which is insane for Iowa State. Yeah, it's why I, I think it just lends to the fact that you and I both think they're going to be really, really good next year. Uh, yeah, or I guess this year, dude. Football season is here. It is I this know. year, baby. It is Let's this go. year. It's crazy. It's almost this month. I mean, we're it. 
some are just it never was going to show up and then now it's almost over it's crazy yeah okay last two alignment uh josh sills from oklahoma state love his versatility he was huge for them last year kind of keeping that line together with duct tape and bubble gum but he he was a consistent dude and then dawson deaton who i think is a a solid player there for tech i got i got no issues with those two guys being on there okay into your realm ted preseason all big 12 defense start with the d line uh, will mcdonald from iowa state you mentioned uh leading sacker returning in the conference isaiah thomas for Oklahoma, Perion Winfrey for Oklahoma, O'Shawn Mathis for TCU, and Dante Stills, West Virginia. Not not Darius. He has moved on. Dante. I I only had one guy different than this list, and I did not have Dante Stills on there. Instead, I had Jalen Redmond. I was not scared to put three OU guys on it because I think Jalen Redman, if he if he stays healthy, that he can be OU's best defensive lineman. I think he has the, the ability to possibly be the best interior guy in the league. I, I, I really do. And it, that's not a shot at Perrion Winfrey. I, I think that Perrion's a really good player. I just think that Jalen Redman has more natural power and can just be an absolute problem with his athleticism and power. I just got to see it though, but I, I went out on a limb. I went out on a limb, you know, talked to some of the guys on the staff and they said that, Hey man, if, if it all works out the way that they're hoping it works out, he's going to be, he's going to be a beast. So I, I, I put Redmond on there instead of stills. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, Call me a homer. I don't care. Big 12 conference. Well, when it's true, it's true. True. I think, I think, uh, I think Perrion Winfrey and Jalen Redmond both up to this point have had a consistency problem, right? Just, just not super consistent. So it's good that they're both there, right? Because if one guy's maybe, maybe not showing up, the other guy is. And here's the other thing the depth behind both of those players is, fantastic so i i don't think there's anything wrong with that at all i mean i totally agree um between if you've got isaiah thomas perion winfrey Jalen redmond out there with benito as your your stand-up rush edge guy that's that's as good of a front four as ou's had in a long 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 time that that is something right there so uh yeah i you know, I would make the claim that if you're going to have five defensive linemen on your all Big 12 team, it should include the edge stand-up backers, and I would have Benito on there if you're only going to have three backers. So, um, you know, I, I would, I would be fine with even adding him to the to the mix there. That where all four guys potentially make it, and that could be the case at the end of the year. So, yeah, so I, uh, on on my ballot and on the team that was released, Benito is listed as a linebacker. The The only reason I put him as a linebacker was I looked at the All-Big 12 team from last year, and that's where he was listed. I was like, right. okay, I guess they consider the edge guys outside linebackers, which you and I have talked about this. If you play on the line, 
you you play defensive line. I don't care if you're on the edge or in the interior. It's defensive line. You're at the line. line. Here's the thing. Linebacker, D-lineman. Linebacker, D-lineman. It's all about that hand, I guess, right? It doesn't matter where you're actually Maybe playing. Maybe you would piss Benito off to be labeled defensive line. Maybe he's like, no, 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 no. I am, I am, I'm an outside linebacker. Those are the guys that get paid all the money. I'm an Probably outside so. linebacker. Okay, speaking of linebacker, Man, this is a you. This this three has has got to be up there with the best in college football. I, I mean, and I know that there's some really damn good players in the SEC, but you you look at Terrell Bernard, who until he got hurt last season was flying around for Baylor. You've got Nick Benito for Oklahoma, who's listed as linebacker, and then you've got. Maybe Teddy's favorite player in all of college football, Mike Rose from Iowa State. I mean, th- dude, that's three backers right there now. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. Um, it's it's fun to watch all of these players play. Um, it, it's it's crazy. The all of a sudden, the linebacker position in the Big Twelve is absolutely loaded. Because you got Terrell Bernard on there, you got Mike Rose. Those are inside guys. Benito's thrown in the mix. We know he's an outside rush guy, but um, Garrett Wallow is back at TCU again. Wallow's gone. Is he gone? He's gone. Yeah, but there is the only the only reason I know that is he got drafted. That's why I know that. Um, okay. I was doing my prep. I was doing my prep for Big Twelve Media Day for TCU, and I was like, "Oh, Wallow's gone." And that's it's so weird to see think that he's gone. Because he seems like he's been there for forever, right? Well, they have a they have a I don't guy know why that I, I I thought that he was back. I was just talking about it last week because I was looking at something. But they mistake. they have a guy named D Winters that I've seen and heard Patterson talk about a couple times, and it sounds like this dude can absolutely fly at the backer position. So we'll, we'll see. They always have good players on defense, man. I mean, they just, they develop them at TCU. There's no doubt. And this is not even talking about OU's guys, right? I I think OU is going to have just as good inside backers as anyone. Uh, Aguebu is, you know, going to add all that experience that he's got. Um, Asamoa obviously is as big play of a guy as there is in the conference. Uh, you had Deshaun White in, uh, just Witter as a young guy. I mean, th- they're going to rotate a bunch of guys through and all very capable. It's going to be a really, really good – I mean, not just linebacker, not just D-line. Defense in the Big 12 is going to be legit this coming season. No, I'm with you. Oh, by the way, Garrett Wallow, fifth round to the Texans. Nice. Oh, feel bad for him. <laughs> That team. Oh, that's something we haven't <laughs> talked about in a while. That that's gone quiet. Huh? Just yeah. okay. Let's we'll we'll see what happens when the season rolls around. Gosh, that situation still is just so weird. Okay, defensive backs. Let's finish up with defensive backs. Got Greg Eisworth from Iowa State. Really good player at a unique safety position that they have him playing. When he's healthy, when his shoulders are attached to his body, Ted, this dude, this dude's legit. Colby Harvell Peel from Oklahoma State. Uh, I know a lot of people thought that maybe Trey Sterling from Oklahoma State should get that nod. I'm telling you right now, I talked to uh, I talked to coaches at 
at least half the schools in the conference when I was putting my list together. Every single coach I talked to thinks Harvell Peel is a better player than Sterling. So he, he was on my list, and I, I think that's why you're probably seeing him, seeing him on this list as well. And Ted, you you go to they got it they got all these guys labeled as DB, but I don't care what you call Jalen Petrie. That dude's a football player now. He he was very very close. I voted for Mike Rose preseason defensive player of the year because I think he is an absolute stud. But I almost wrote Petrie down. I, it was close. He <laughs> this dude is an absolute. Baller. I they move him all over the place. He if he's blitzing, he's gonna get there. If he's dropping back into coverage, he's gonna bite the ball down, he's gonna intercept it, he's gonna blow someone up. If it's a running play, he's gonna come screaming off the edge and make a tackle for loss. It's insane how much stuff this guy does out there on the football field. Not only is he um, you know, the best defensive back, but He's one of the best defensive players, period, I've seen in this conference in a long time. And coming from Baylor, shockingly, a place that's put out some great ones, like, he's he's just, I, I don't know. I don't even know who really to compare him to. Dave Aranda said that they're going to be even more creative with him this season. I don't, I don't even know what that looks like, but I'm excited very, to see Very it. fun. Uh, oh, the last two guys uh, rounding out the defensive backs, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, corner from TCU. Think think he led the conference in like passes defended last year. Uh, just a, a re- another really good defensive back from TCU. Kind of the guy they view maybe as the next first, second round type guy. And then the last guy on there is Deshaun Jameson. I did not have Deshaun Jameson. I think he's a solid player. I I had Woody Washington on my ballot and it's pretty simple. Alex Grinch told us Woody Washington has a chance to be the best cornerback in the conference. He told us that in the spring, those words from Grinch carry serious weight for me. So I put him on there. I, so Woody Washington, I'm expecting, I'm expecting a solid year. No, I, I agree. I think will he even start? I don't know. I we'll don't know find either. out. That's what I was about to say. Is you know, one of the problems why Oklahoma's not so very well represented. They're gonna have the best defense in the conference next year. It's just it's a fact. They're gonna have the best defense in the conference next year. Dude, hold on. Cam Johnson just dunked on PJ Tucker. So bad. I'm talking crotch near face. <laughs> oh my. And I think PJ Tucker thought it should be a charge and he's stunned that they didn't call a charge. It looked like he was out of the restricted area. You're going to see a lot of that one tomorrow, Ooh. ladies and gentlemen. My goodness. It's always been my argument that it, it doesn't matter where you're standing. If they complete the dunk, and I'm not talking to throw in like Blake Griffin has. Or, You're talking or, hand on rim. Hand on rim. If they complete the dunk, it cannot be a charge. That's my rule. If they can I, complete the dunk, you can't take a charge on a dunk. But, I, I agree. I agree. Now, the Suns are down 11 even after the dunk, but it was awesome. 
He'll be back. It was so awesome. Okay. They're bouncing back. Do you want to talk special teams? We've got Burkich. Your boy Burkich made it. Austin McNamara, who can absolutely punt the shit out of the football from Texas Tech. He was the only choice. He 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 led the league by like five yards last year in punting average. It was ridiculous. And then Phillip Brooks from Kansas State. I had Treston Ebner from Baylor, uh, kind of a do-everything guy for them. He's their returner. But he also, I, I think that Jeff Grimes, the new offense coordinator there, and Waco is going to use him a lot in that outside zone seam. So I kind of worked him in there as a returner slash running back. I think he's going to have a bigger year than people realize. So that's that's the all-Big 12 team. You have anything else you want to say about it? Anything at all? No. Well represented I'll, by I'll, the Sooners. I'll just say this is kind of what I was about to get to there a second ago is that one of the problems for Oklahoma is specifically defensively, but it's kind of the same thing at running back. They, they're going to play so many guys. They're going to have the best defense in the conference that sometimes statistically it's not going to show up for those guys. They're going to play, you know, 20, 23 guys defensively on a Saturday that's going to be way more than anyone else. So it can be hard to have just unbelievable standout numbers in, in that scenario, especially because we were talking about corner, Woody Washington. I don't know. I think they're going to have five corners that are going to rotate in and be all really solid guys. Yeah. So for our call your shot question, we asked you guys of the OU guys that did not make the preseason all big 12 list. Who do you think could make the postseason? list and will underscore cal says can i just say one of the dbs for ou be it dj graham woody davis hell maybe even bowman or mccutcheon i feel that group will have a solid performance this year and something similar comes from g underscore binge okay g binge or binge binge b-e-n-g-e binge 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 Binge. You gotta have double E at the end. That's just binge. That's binge. G binge eleven on Twitter says DJ Graham. It sounds like he's a star in the making. So we're getting some some defensive back love for the Sooners. I can't believe it. Can you believe how quickly things have changed? Things have changed quickly. Um, insert any of those names. I'm fine with it. You could throw a, a Key Lawrence uh, transfer safety in there as a guy that may make it. You know, and I don't even know that he's going to start. That's the crazy thing. Someone said DJ Graham. Are you convinced that DJ Graham's going to be a starting corner? I think so. <laughs> this is right. Uh, and this is a good problem. Let's make that clear. Yeah. This is a when very good problem. It's a good problem. The same thing at offensive line. When you're getting votes for preseason all big 12 and you're not even sure if, if that guy's going to be the starter, that's a good thing to have. So absolutely. I, I it's it's great. No, I'm 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 there for it. Defensive, I I agree. We will have a defensive back that will make the All Big Twelve team. Can't tell yeah, you who though. And it's going to be Woody Washington, so that I look like a genius. That's right. Come on, Woody Washington. And last one comes from our man Eric Bates. What's up? You Eric? may there may you may not even have the right Washington. Yeah, think about that. Like we could have a guy make it that's not even. I should have just put Washington. I shouldn't have put the first. I should have just put <laughs> Washington OU and made that's him right. guess. But uh, Eric Bates says Stogner. I believe he will be fully recovered and come out strong. 
Eric, I'm with you. Great I, pick. I, I think Stogner could easily lead the conference in receiving yards for a tight end. I, I really do, especially he's got more weapons around him than Kolar has around him in Ames. I, I think Rattler's a more talented passer than Purdy. I mean, Stogner was rolling last season before the injury, and if he can get back and he can get even better, Ted, yeah, I think I think he can have a big year. Yeah, I do too. Um, he's here's the here's the difference between Stogner and Kohler. Kohler is the go-to guy in that offense. Stogner is, you know, they're going to have some plays kind of designed for him, but he will not be the go-to guy in this offense. He's going to be more of your traditional tight end. That's kind of the difference between the two guys and why it may be a little bit more difficult for Stogner to end up getting that. It doesn't mean that he's not going to be a better player, so to speak, but he, it may be hard to stack up the, the type of numbers that Kohler does. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, let's move on to one of the weirdest stories I've read in a while in the world of college football. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And don't forget, Teddy, to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is over, overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, National College Football Roundup. And I, I I don't know what else to say other than holy shit, this story is I mean, this story's nuts. It's nuts. okay. So if you have not seen it, this is an article from the Kansas City Star that was written by a guy that uh, I've got to know pretty well named Jesse Newell. And what what's the best way to sum this up quickly, Ted? What KU's athletic department paid a former KU football player named Caperton Humphrey, which may be the whitest name in the history of the world. They, they, they paid Caperton Humphrey. (laughs) Isn't that? It was so, it's so white that I wasn't even sure. You know, it's like. (laughs) The only way that it could be wider is if it was Caperton Humphrey, the third or the fourth. Right. I mean, it is, it's, it is what it is. Okay. But that's, that has nothing to do with the story. Okay. So KU's athletic department and tell me if I get this wrong at all, because I sent you the article. I know you read it. Caperton Humphrey got paid 
around $50,000 or so to cover the expenses for him to leave school after he reported threats and harassment from teammates, which included things like confrontations and fights at practice and at workouts. Um, It also involved his teammates loosening the lug nuts on one of his tires, hoping that it would fall off and he would crash his car. That's horrible. And it also involved a group of four of his teammates that brought like six other dudes to his apartment to confront him and threaten him while his mom, dad, and little brother were in the apartment. That's crazy. I mean, what the hell, dude? I, listen, I understand, and Teddy, we've, we've been in a lot of locker rooms. You don't like everyone in the locker room, right? I mean, guys, guys get after each other every once in a while, especially during practice. Like, there's fights. Sometimes that carries over to the locker room. You know, guy, guys get after it in the locker room every once in a while, you know, box each other or something. But, I mean, this sounds like Caperton Humphrey had some serious beef with a few teammates. And I don't think it helped that it sounds like he snitched on some of these guys for selling drugs. But what? what? Yeah. Um, it's what you love about college football, right? The guy that informs the coach. That... Oh, yeah. Let, let me make it clear. The worst thing about sure. this is how Les Miles handles it. That's why we're getting to it because Les Miles' reputation has just – I mean, it is just it, – It's he's his reputation idiot. has died. I mean, that's he's, the best he's way to put it. He's a total idiot, total moron. Um, you just – I've heard this from Tennessee um, – Whenever there was a, a sexual assault deal, uh, you know, back before uh, was it when Jones was the head coach there, and you know they the guy that reports it to the coach gets in trouble. It's the same thing here. You got a guy that tells the coach that you may have some players selling drugs and uh, threatening me. Okay, well <laughs> you're the problem, not the guys that are uh, trying to kill you and selling drugs. It's amazing. It's it's. You know, whenever guys act crazy on a football team, we under, wonder why in the world could it, how could it ever get like this? It's whenever they get treated this way to where anything that they do gets swept under the rug. You know what I'm saying? It's it's insane. It's frustrating. So yeah, and like Humphrey's dad got involved. There was a close family friend that worked in KU compliance that I guess was the guy that ended up kind of putting all the paperwork together for this payment. Like I, I don't understand how, how something like this happens. I, I just, I just don't. And the worst part about it is Les miles was presented with all this information and his suggestion was that these guys go head to head on the practice field to settle things that, that, that is what his idea was. Yeah. As if, um, you know, someone trying to kill you is just going to be smoothed over with a little bit of bull in the ring out there, uh, halfway through practice. Right. What an absolute joke. Les miles 
has been proven to be, I mean, we all knew he was a clown, right? We just didn't know he was such a sinister and idiotic clown, I guess. It's crazy. I, this is one of the biggest, like, reputation changes publicly, right? And I think some people around that were close to the LSU program, you know, I've talked to people that were close to that program that said, no, everyone knew Les was kind of creepy. But this stuff is, I, I was very critical when Kansas hired Les Miles. I was very critical of Jeff Long when he did that. And I, I didn't know how terrible of a hire it actually was. I mean, this, and, and this story is going to be everywhere. I mean, it is because, I mean, when you look at it, basically the document, they were like this secret document that didn't even have the athletic director's name on it. It was like that family friend in compliance was the one signing it for the university. I don't know how, how this entire thing got done. Like, but basically what it said was that if Humphrey didn't say anything about what happened, if his family didn't say anything publicly that would, you know, tarnish Kansas's name, then Kansas would pay his tuition and give him his stipend until he graduated. They paid for his moving expenses to move back home to West Virginia, Ted. Like this thing. Have you ever heard of something like that? Like this is so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. It is. And you know what? I bet it's happened. I don't want to say a lot, but I bet there's several instances of this happening where something's gone on and it's easier just to, you know, get someone to leave and maybe hand them a couple of bucks, take care of schooling, whatever it is that you need to do to get rid of the issue. And it's yeah, sad maybe that in I like say the that. 80s, not in yeah. 2019. Well, it's sad that I say that, but. Unfortunately, that's what college football has not necessarily become, but the money is so big now, and I, it doesn't go necessarily with Kansas, but like it, LSU and the, the problem before, right? What they're going through right now. It's easier to try and get a problem to go away than have it upset the apple cart and all these big paydays with everyone, you know, getting their, their big salaries and their big money and their big bowl payouts and, and all of this stuff. It's easier just to try and find a, a, a way to make a problem just disappear. And that's, I don't know. It's frustrating, man. So we've heard nothing other than the, the four players, right? are still playing for Kansas, correct? That yeah. came and tried I, to kill him. I, I love in the article where it was like, oh, yeah, and the four guys that have played a lot of snaps for Kansas's defense. Right. <laughs> because that the guy was giving up the names. They just didn't put him, you know, the uh, uh, super white guy, uh, Caperton, <laughs> man, Caperton Humphrey, was giving up the names. They just, they weren't in the article. Wow. They're going to come for that tuition money back? You I went back on your word, Caperton. That was that was my first thought. Was okay. I mean, you signed a document that said you wouldn't say anything, and your family wouldn't say anything, and now there's this big article in this big newspaper about it. It's like I, Travis Goff, the new athletic director 
at Kansas. He came from Northwestern. I've had the pleasure of talking to him a couple times already. He wants nothing to do with this. He's leaving, he's leaving the Humphreys alone. But I do think because the saddest part about it, when you get to the end of the article, like he's seeing a psychiatrist about this stuff now. Like his parents say he has anger issues now, like he's not the same kid. It sounds like they're gonna sue the school for I don't know the emotional damage that this kid has gone through from this whole ordeal. I mean, I, I got to the end of that and I was like, man, that is that's tough. I mean, you, some things happen when, when you play college football, right? You, you run up against adversity. There's no doubt, but that adversity is not supposed to include your teammates taking loosening the lug nuts on your tire. Like that's, I mean, these guys, these guys legitimately wanted to, I'm not going to say they wanted to kill him, but it makes it, I makes it sounds like he, his life was threatened several times which is can i just be clear on something if you're trying to kill someone do not loosen the lug nuts on their tire that's going to kill somebody else did you see the story with um uh the quarterback for the broncos um i'm drawing a blank he was driving down the highway drew lock drew lock driving down the highway a car on the other side, the lug nuts came off, flew across the highway, went through his windshield, tire bounced over the median. People have died from that. Uh, you're going you're gonna to kill some innocent person out there, not like the intended target by loosening the lug nuts on their car. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. They should be thrown in jail for it. Yeah, I wonder, it would be interesting if some type of criminal investigation uh, develops out of this. I don't, I, I don't know, but I just read this story and that it, it was one of those stories where you read the first paragraph and you're like, Oh wow. And then the next paragraph, <laughs> what? That escalated really quick. And then the next paragraph, Oh my God, what? And it just kept going and going. And then, yeah, of course, and then it gets to, it gets to less miles and you're like, Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah. He's an that. idiot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And then there's this, secret compliance guy that's brokering the deal. And you're just like, what is, what is happening? And the parents are involved. It, it go read the story. I, I'm not sure we're doing it justice. Our man, Jesse Newell is a great writer. So, okay, Ted, let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, summer is here, and you know what that means. It is hard seltzer season, baby, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wildly Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool at the lake. And at the tailgate, it's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. 
Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I thought about going with um, Major League Baseball since they've got Shohei Otani leading Major Leagues in home runs and is going to be in the home run derby on Monday night. It's actually uh, the first time in a long time like I'm really looking forward to watching it. It's going to be fantastic. Um, I thought I thought when you were when you said Major League Baseball, you're going to bring up that kid from Heritage Hall that went third overall. Did you see that? I didn't see that. No. Oklahoma City kid got drafted third overall by Detroit. Uh, Jackson Dang. Job, pitcher from Heritage Hall. That's big time, man. That is big time. That's awesome. Um, but Otani, this is like the biggest sport, the biggest story in sports that no one's really covering. You've got a, a major league ace on a team a legitimate ace pitcher on a team is also leading majors in home runs. He's already hit 33 home runs on pace to hit over 50 home runs this year for a pitcher. That is absolute insanity. And he's going to be in the home run derby on Monday. It's an awesome story. By the way, I saw a picture this weekend of Otani uh, without sleeves on. That dude is a unit, bro. Like, I didn't realize, and I've, I've watched quite a few of his games. I see all the highlights, and what he's doing is absurd. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, but he is a big-ass dude. He is. Yeah, I don't know. What, do you know what he's listed at, like height and weight? Well, let's, let's get, get the old Google machine. This is, this is podcasting gold right here while I Google Shohei six four two ten is what I've got. Six four two ten. His Wikipedia's got him at six four, and yeah, that's what he's he's a good two ten. That's what I, that's what he's listed at on the roster. Six four. It's a big dude. It's a big dude. Um, I just think it's an awesome story. Undercovered. Um, never happened before it's How, it's amazing i wonder 33 home runs right now the next closest is five away vlad guerrero who is also a big deal but uh, i wonder how big of a deal he is in japan you know oh my, like how I mean, it's hard for it's sometimes it's hard for us to understand like just how famous an athlete is in their home country i bet it's i bet it's insane because baseball just massive in japan like any time a player comes over here to play, it's a big deal. And to come over and be an ace, I think he's got like a a 3.1 ERA, which is, I mean, insane in the majors right now. He, I think he's four or five and one as a pitcher. It just, it's, it's awesome. I think it's great. I can't wait to watch it Monday. Um, but I ended up going uh, with the Joker, Djokovic. Wins another Wimbledon, which is insane. It's his 20th Grand Slam, okay? He's won three straight Wimbledons. It's his sixth Wimbledon overall. He's got nine Australian Opens, three U.S. Opens, two French. He's won the first three majors of the year, the first to do that since uh, 1969, and has a chance to do the calendar Grand Slam, uh, be the first ever to do it since Rod Laver did it in 69, 52 years ago. And 
it's it's awesome, but I feel like he's way less talked about than any other tennis guy that has accomplished any type of feat like that. You know why? Because people don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, he's he's got a certain edge yeah. to him, right? I mean, he's he is arguably the greatest tennis player of all time. And you're right. Like, think of think of how we talk about Serena Williams, right? And just how much respect and praise she gets, and then compare it to Djokovic. And I know Serena's right. American, so it's a little bit of, it's a little different there. I understand that, but yeah, I think he he rubs some people the wrong way. Ted, that's that's kind of my uh, my interpretation of things. Well, uh, he's had a hell of a career, and I guess. Is he tied? He's tied with Federer uh, with 20. And uh, my guess and is Nadal. he's going to. Yeah, and Nadal. And my guess is he's going to end up surpassing both of them. Yeah, well, he's smoking both of them every time they play right, right now. He's so. 34 now. 34. I, okay. I realize that a theme is developing in my comments about your, uh, your winner of the week. Um, did you see the guy Djokovic was playing? today the italian yeah that's a handsome dude now <laughs> i i went and I, I did some instagram creeping on that guy uh matteo I, 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 I didn't watch a whole lot of it but i did hear someone say that it's the first italian in a grand slam final in i, I don't it was a really long time and i was like i bet that dude is a star in italy right now he's six five he is handsome and he tall, is dark and handsome. He is tall, dark, Italian <laughs> as hell and handsome. <laughs> Berrettini. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, no, but I just saw him. I was like, that guy's about to get his ass whooped, but he he's winning. In he life. doesn't care. He does not care. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? This has to be one of the funniest things I've ever heard. The North Carolina players. They're the losers, by the way. The North Carolina players don't agree or want a 12-team playoff. They don't agree with it. They don't want a 12-team playoff. This is according to Mac Brown, by the way. Um, and I, I saw some quotes from one of their linebackers. Talking about, I think it's Jeremiah Gimmel, I think's his name. Good player, but like, yeah, they, because what happened was Jim Phillips, the new ACC commissioner, asked all of the coaches and like, to, and all these coaches to ask their student athletes what they thought about expanding to 12 teams. And yeah, I guess <laughs> the, I, Teddy, I read this article and even though I read it, in the ESPN app, I was like, is this an Onion article where North Carolina is saying they they think 12's too many? It's like, guys, 12, that's the only Hello. way you're getting in, man. Clemson Hello. ain't slowing down anytime soon. Oh, my gosh. I just thought it was so uh, – I don't know. I don't even know how to express it. It's so funny. Um, it's like the least self-aware – situation i've i've ever seen I, and if you're mac brown instead of saying 
Oh yeah, guys, I understand. I love your competitiveness. You got to be like, you got to go up to the board and be like, okay, so, you know, we've, there's four right now. If we go to 12, you realize what that does to our chances to make it four right now, currently four. God, that's crazy. I, I will say on the player that's quoted, he is like, Hey, 16 games, 17 games. Like that's a lot of games for, you know, guys that are trying to play in the NFL and stuff like that. And it is, it's, it's a lot, but they do it in the FCS, bro. Like, I, I mean, if you don't want to play an extra game, get a buy. <laughs> it, it, it's go that that's why I just think it's so funny that they're even doing this exercise. Like, tell, tell me what the players think. No one cares what the players think. It's about it's about the money that can be made. We all know that. I don't I don't know why we're acting like like Jim Phillips is acting like he has to pretend like he cares what the players think. No one cares. It's about the money. Come we're on. Money. We're trying to pay your stipend, dude. Okay. The, those stipends are about to go up. We've got to make some more money. Yeah, I, I thought that was crazy and <laughs> More games. Oh, geez. Who who would ever want to play more college football games? That sounds terrible. Sounds brutal. Gosh. No, I I was I was amazed by that. He this quote was the one where I, it's giving us a better opportunity to get in the playoffs, but that's not really our cause right now. We're trying to win every football game and win the ACC championship. So we want to be Top four, regardless, going into the college football playoffs. We thought between 12, 6, and 8, maybe we slip a game here and there, but everybody's thoughts on the team is we are winning every game and we are winning the ACC championship. Why worry about if we come in 12th? We're in the playoff. We're not thinking about that. We're thinking about being the number one team in the nation. That's a good thing. Like uh, That quote is all over the place. <laughs> what? I mean... In theory, that's fine. I, I mean, in theory, that makes sense, but... It's North Carolina. It's what North are, Carolina. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Has that team ever entered the postseason as the number one team in the country undefeated? I'm not a, I'm not a North Carolina football historian, but I do not believe so. I could be wrong. Okay. They probably claimed a national championship at some point. Maybe they won a national championship. I don't know. Don't care. Uh, you you still got to go through Clemson. Uh, you know, hey, you know what? The kids are <laughs> entitled to their opinion, Ted. That's right. And I'm sure, I'm sure his opinion will be weighed heavily when the college football playoff management committee makes their decision to expand whether or not. Uh, I'm See, sure if you're Mac Brown, up. this is a situation you sort out with some live contact drills like Les Miles tried to do. Yeah, right, let's settle this, is, this on the field, boys. Let's settle this on the field. You don't <laughs> okay. want to playoff? Okay, let's let's go see. Okay, so for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Connor McGregor because I think his ankle snapping and half saved him from getting knocked the hell out by <laughs> Dustin Poirier. I, I mean, that's just kind of I'm not a I'm not an MMA guy. I will watch these big fights, right? Just so I can have the ability to talk about them. This one. Actually, I kind of liked all the trash talk around it. I was like, all right, let's see. And, you know, McGregor's a draw. He is. But I think McGregor's lucky 
that that ankle gave out on him because I think he was going to get put to sleep. Yeah, uh, that was crazy. Um, uh, you're probably right there. I love Joe Rogan getting in the ring and doing the interview while he's laying there. So good. Poirier Dude. says that maybe it was a, a check to one of your kicks that caused it. It wasn't a check. <laughs> it wasn't a check. <laughs> you see, so he's been talking all that trash about Poirier's wife, right? And she comes over across the ring and just flips him off. It was awesome. <laughs> While he's laying there in the air cast thing, dude, I mean, it was, and he was worth watching. It's, it's awesome. It was awesome. That's the thing about Conor McGregor. Even if you love him, if you hate him, something wild is going to get, going to happen. He's going to get knocked out. He, no one had the breaks his leg on the bingo card and gets uh, interviewed (laughs) while he's sitting against the fence. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. Crazy. Uh, regarding that fight, did you see Arash Markazi's tweet? Uh, I don't know. Okay, you're going to love this. And this is why I didn't send it to you because I was hoping you wouldn't see it. Uh, this comes from Arash Markazi who says, Dana White said of all the celebrities, Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables was the first one to ask for tickets to McGregor Poirier three back in January. Wow. Okay. Did you see BB? Oh yeah, knock him out. Chomping at the bit down there. How about that? Look at BV trying to get in on a hey, uh, you hand me some tickets to the uh, to the big fight. That's awesome. That's funny. I love that. I that was about as star studded of a of a fight or anything that we've seen in a long time. Wasn't it? Yeah. There's a Everyone lot of dudes there, right? Baker ringside living his, living his best life. It's pretty, it was, it would have been nice to at least watch McGregor get knocked out. as opposed to his <laughs> leg, just snap it in half. That was right. kind of boring. I was like, Oh, come on, come on. But it was, uh, I don't think it was going to end up very well. Oh, and speaking of getting knocked out, uh, we were all winners. This weekend, when we watched Greg Hardy get put to sleep, I uh, there, Ted, you know, the NFL, it's a brotherhood, right? I've got multiple group texts going with guys that I played with in the league, and we may not celebrate anything more than we celebrate Greg Hardy getting knocked out. It is, it's so, I mean, watching that scumbag get put to sleep is fantastic, and it's even better when it comes via the hands of a guy that looks like Bam Bam Tuivasa. That was, I mean, just chef's kiss. It was fantastic. When a guy gets knocked out, is laying on the on the ring, and you look up and see the your opponent sitting on top of the, the octagon, drinking a beer out of a shoe, it has to be a humiliating feeling, and I'm glad that feeling belongs to Greg Hardy. I am. I was. I was. I had forgotten that he was doing UFC, and then my my nephew told me that he was uh, on the card. I don't know why, but I just assumed that he was in prison somewhere. Yeah, I mean that's usually <laughs> happen when you almost kill women. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's probably where he should be. Great job signing him, Jerry Jones. That was smart. Uh, everyone, uh, everyone enjoyed that. That was a good business decision. What an idiot. Um, okay. But my winner of the weekend, and follow me on this one, Ted, Team USA Basketball. 
Interesting. I know. I, exactly. Interesting. Some may say I'm stupid. And uh, the, let me just let me just explain. So they end up losing in an exhibition game to Nigeria. Not ideal. I understand that. Now, Nigeria does have a lot of NBA guys on their team. I think it's something like seven. And Gabe Vincent was awesome in that game for Nigeria if you watched it. But I view this as a wake-up call for Team USA because – and I saw some things that Brian Windhorst said on SportsCenter, and that Nigeria squad had been together since June 20th and had gotten a lot of practices in together while Team USA had only been together for a few days. So that, that's definitely something that mattered, but you look at it and – this could be what Team USA needed to kind of jumpstart them taking things really, really seriously because the Olympics are right around the corner. They ain't got a lot of time. And if they would have rolled in this game and what I thought it was like, it was like five years ago, they beat Nigeria by like 43 points. So, I mean, credit to Nigeria for putting together a great team. But I, I don't think, Kevin Durant is going to shoot that that poorly very often. And man, Precious Achua just denied him on that dunk. That was that was pretty sweet. But Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard, those guys are going to play better. But I do think losing this game will create a sense of urgency for that squad. And I'm not sure that would have been there otherwise. And with the Olympics soon these guys probably realize okay guys we got to figure this out because they know NBA players know better than anyone that if they go to Tokyo and don't win gold we will clown every single one of them because that is what America does it goes to the Olympics and it wins gold in basketball and if the team doesn't you will pay the price via social media slander. <laughs> Them's the rules. I like where you're going with this. You're basically taking the thought process of uh, one of the all-time best 20th century philosophers who said, sometimes when you win, you actually lose. And sometimes when you lose, you actually win. And sometimes when you win or lose, you actually tie and sometimes when you tie, you actually win or lose. That's a there, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, that's Rosie Perez from White Men Can't Jump. I I was about to say, isn't that the one that spells all the was it the Q words or P words? Q. What is a quince? White Men Can't Jump, by the way. Arguably the best basketball movie ever. It's I'm just great. gonna throw that out there. It's I fantastic love movie. I love that movie. No, but hey, I, I agree. A wake up call. It was a loss, but in the long run, this could be the thing that gets them a little fired up and ready to go. The it, the uh, the fear of the shame that's around the corner is going to uh, to light a fire. Can you imagine what Kevin Durant's mentions looked like after that game? Just because now, because he responds, right? He responds on Twitter. So, like, everyone's firing their best stuff at him oh, all the time, right? Hoping to get a response. 
from him. I can, ooh, I can only imagine. And I, I will honorary uh, or honorable mention, I suppose is the best term for it. Uh, winner of the weekend, Milwaukee Bucks. They're back in it. I think it's safe to say there's four minutes left to go in the game, Ted. They're they're up 21. Giannis has done it again. He's already got 41 on 14 of 23 shooting. Middleton played a little better, more efficient shooting the basketball. Drew Holiday getting it going. Five of 10 from three for Drew Holiday. All he needed was to get home. Bucks are but I I think it's going to be 2-2. I mean, this is going to be a really really good NBA final. So, I I just want to be entertained. Don't really care who wins. I know a lot of people around here are cheering for Chris Paul. That's great. I I don't really care that much. I just want it to go to 7 and to be entertained. So, this is great a, so far. Yeah, this is a good step towards that. Okay, for my loser of the weekend, I thought about going with Atlanta sports fans because the Hawks postseason didn't go great, right? Even though Giannis went down, they they couldn't force it to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. Trey Young was dealing with the injury, but now Ronald Acuna, the brave star player and one of the young faces of baseball, tears his ACL going after a catch this weekend. I mean, yikes. I maybe yeah, that they're Atlanta- also about to watch a uh, home run derby and all-star game that was supposed to be played in Atlanta, be played in Denver. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. Did you see, and I, I think they ended up saying it wasn't connected to the All-Star game. Did you see that thing at the hotel in Denver? I saw something from it, like, I, I saw just a quick little news blurb that someone had sent from me, and I I, I didn't really go too much in depth in it. I, I was like, hmm, that sounds like maybe there's some type of explanation here, but I haven't, I haven't seen anything else on it. Yeah, it was like the housekeeper found like 16 long guns and like a thousand rounds of ammunition in the hotel room that like overlooks downtown Denver. That's scary, dude. I'll say this, that housekeeper's damn hero. That's gotta be, let's imagine you're just doing your job and you just see all this. You're like, uh, um, what a a help. Right. Let's be honest. Every time as a housekeeper, you open the door, walk into a hotel room, you never know what you're going to see. And that's the last thing you would expect. So, yeah, that was, that was crazy. Yeah, that's oof, scary stuff. All right. My loser of the weekend, though, it's got to be England. England. Ooh. I mean, they, they blow the lead against Italy and then end up losing the Euro 2020 final in penalty kicks. Uh, and I, I am not a soccer expert, Teddy, but I I felt like England scoring so early in that game was detrimental because they just I'm not going to say they went full prevent defense, right? The you know what we bitch about in football all the time, but. They just sat back and they weren't aggressive at all. It was like they were fine. Okay, they're like, okay, we'll hold on to the one zero lead. I don't. I didn't understand the lack of aggression from them. I. I mean, you got to ride that wave. It, it was. It was really. Maybe Italy was just better than them. I, that that could have been it. But I. I'm still torn on the penalty kicks thing to decide 
a championship this significant, but England's manager, what do you call it? A coach? A manager? Manager, I think. Manager? What's Ted Lasso? They call him manager, right? I think did you so. ever finish that, by the way? I did. Yes. It's amazing. Fantastic. I can't we're getting close to season two, right? Soon. It's supposed to be in July. Yeah. Soon. Can't wait. But um England's manager subs a couple of young dudes in at the very end of extra time so they can take penalties and then oh like none of us saw it coming both of the young dudes missed the penalties and i just i felt bad for those guys from england what was it rashford sancho and i think it was Saka, the three guys that missed in the pks or i guess they didn't miss technically they just they were of poor quality that's what yeah. guys in soccer say, right? Poor quality, something like poor, poor. Wasn't this going to be the first Euro Championship that England would have won? I, like I feel like it one, was right? going to be the most significant thing that's happened for England soccer in like a hundred years. I don't know that, but that's how that these people complain about it like it's been forever. I don't know the last time they, they've won something. They won significant. a World Cup recently, right? I feel like uh, I could be wrong on that, but. Um, it it seems like it was pretty significant. Oh man, that's awesome! I love it. Sorry, uh, I I'm googling it right now. Last England soccer championship. Uh, okay. The title of this one says "Redeemed Italy Extends England's Misery." So, <laughs> fifty five years Ooh. of English heartache in major tournaments. So yeah, it's been a while for the uh, for the English. Brutal. You're right there, PKs, and you can't get it done. Ugh. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have gone with the you know pack it in and just try to hold on approach. Never works, man. Well, stay B, aggressive. Aggressive. B E aggressive. Aggressive. You're right. A G G R E S S I V E. Come on, England. <laughs> I just have I have a significant amount. I I got onto my 23 and me to look at it and by the way my genetic breakdown i it should just say white in giant letters <laughs> it's just like 99% northwest european it's like oh okay so i'm the whitest person on planet earth got it but i was like 29 or 30% english and irish so i was like you know maybe i'll cheer for england and it broke my heart ted yeah well just keep it simple next year. Uh, not, not all the the penalty kicks thing. I, once again, I don't know anything about soccer, but I feel keep it simple on those. Quit all the choppy stepping and trying to fake and play the mind games. Just kick the damn ball. Kick, kick it, it hard at the one of the corners. That's all you got to do. Yeah, like that McGuire guy did. God, he pounded that thing upper ninety. See soccer Look at terms. You. What's up? It's What's amazing up? how much you picked up picked up from just one broadcast. Oh, well, I I've watched quite a bit of the Euros. So I've, what else? It was on during the middle of the day most of the time. Yeah. It was great. It's and good. on that note, and on, <laughs> I did not expect to talk that much soccer, but football. Here we are. That was football. Ah, this is a football no. podcast. That touche, but I'm going to keep calling it soccer. It is. It's <laughs> soccer. Let's, I agree. On. And on that note, episode 128 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Porter Moser, we promise. His interview will be in that one. You guys are going to love it. And then 
Monday's pot will have a big recap of Big 12 Media Days. It'll be great. It'll be a ton of football stuff in that one. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.